Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you have a story of something strange, if you've encountered a cryptid, Bigfoot, Mothman, or if you've seen a ghost, had alien contact, anything strange or unusual, something with the paranormal, we'd love to hear your story. Or if there's a story you think we should cover, let us know. You can email us at strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Good evening, Allison. Good evening, Timothy. For anyone curious, Soraya put a video of me and our recording studio here up, which I've neatened up, of course, since he took the video. I wasn't, had I known he was going to be shooting Well, yeah, video, we probably would have cleaned. <laughs> I would have, would have straightened up a bit, but uh, it's on the Where Did the Rogue Go YouTube, if people want to look at it. It doesn't include any photos of us, though, right? I'm in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm featured prominently throughout the video. I, I, I'm giving the tour, uh, and you can tell I'm very awkward. I think I could tell. I don't know. I just. I, I, I really feel like we both have faces for radio. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Mr. Joshua Cutchin arrives in two days, less than two days, something like that. Will he be bringing all of the Fae with him? That is a question for Josh. And then Josh and I will be traveling together to the X-Filers United Convention, which is at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April 26th, 27th, and 28th. Josh and I will both be giving individual presentations on Friday. I believe mine's the first one, so get there early if you want to see <laughs> me. I think I'm 10 in the morning. And then Josh and I will be giving another presentation together on Saturday. Oh, that's cool. Josh and I will both have copies of our books to sign. I will have art prints. I will have my music. I will have Strange Familiar stuff. 
So stop by and see us if you're in the area. That's the X-Filers United Convention this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So tonight's show, I'll be talking to Evan, who relates, first of all, his wife's experience. She did not want to come on the show. <laughs> she is, however, sitting there next to him, or at least in the same room, I believe. As and he tells her as story. As he tells her story, <laughs> and, and correcting him and, and adding details, which is I fun. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but she uh, had this kind of, like, woke up, sleep paralysis thing. And had this, like, she said it looked like ink dropped in water. This thing with, like, tendrils that moved. And then she was able to move, and it was still there. Like, after she kind of, like, got out of the sleep process thing, she said it was There's just something in the room with her. Yeah, yeah, really, really interesting, really creepy. And then Evan tells a really cool story about a creepy graveyard in Texas, too, which may have multiple things going on there. Besides dead people. Besides dead people, yes. Uh, we're talking with Evan, who wrote me about some strange things that happened in his place, in his residence, possibly relative to sleep paralysis, but let's talk about it. So it's kind of a weird thing. So uh, this actually happened to my wife. I'm going to preface that, but she's uh, gave me permission to kind of talk about it. And she's not one to have any sleep paralysis or anything like that before, has never really had an interest in this stuff. Usually it's too spooky, and she doesn't want me to talk about it. Whereas I've had a pretty about a twenty year interest in this kind of stuff. So she uh I'm gonna preface and talk about that she is quitting smoking and so she thought in order to like help with the side effects of Nicoderm to take it at night, which is not what you're supposed to do. I should have guessed that I just wasn't paying attention, but that level of nicotine into your bloodstream at nighttime, because it messes with your rhythm cycle and stuff. So yeah, that's naturally sort of just my first thing to look at on it. The store itself got a little weird because just normal sleep paralysis is stuff that I, I have an interest in, but I don't necessarily immediately see it as paranormal or supernatural or anything like that. It's always interesting, like kind of the archetypes and the things people see constantly. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting, but, you know, it's hard to, it, it's hard to, you know, buy into anything when we don't know. But with this, so I'm just going to say that was an element on there. So I guess please don't buy Nicoderm patches to, to try to, if you're, if you don't need them people. So, <laughs> so according to her, she's, uh, she wanted me to preface that she's a light sleeper. And so this is probably around two thirty in the morning. I was going to maybe draw a map of the room just to get a better effect, but this thing was close, whatever happened. So she wakes up feeling a presence is what she said. So her side of the bed is right next to the doorway that leads into the hallway where the rest of, and into the rest of the house. So she wakes up and can't move, you know, sleep paralysis stuff. But then she sees this thing coming by, and the only way that she could really describe it, it looked like ink dropped into water. Like, it was sort of this smoky, amorphous... It had depth, and it was somewhat transparent, but more opaque in parts. So there was, like, definitely a three-dimensional type thing to it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't have any sort of feature, like, any or any figure to it, but it... Kind of rolled past her a little bit, seemed to stop as if it knew it was noticed, which is kind of indicative of this kind of stuff, too. Then it turned towards her. So at this point, she's sitting there kind of thinking, like, oh, this got to be a dream. This this got to be a dream. I can't move. This got to be a dream. So she turns her eyes away and looks over and can see, you know, my phone blinking, you know, with the messenger or whatever update light it had. Against the ceiling, turns back, and it's still there when she, you know, turns her eye back, which is distressing because usually when you have a little bit of a 
glitch in the matrix when you wake up, usually kind of turning or moving your eyes kind of makes it go away, which is uh, not what happened. And so it kind of bent over to the best it could, and then she felt that pressure on her chest that you hear about um, with other sleep paralysis stories. And then these cold, tenderly pan things kind of went across her face, and she said it felt like, you know, if you had a cup of ice and just put it up against your face. And it kind of moved up and around. And at this point, she said that she kind of regained some mobility. So she started trying to scratch my elbow awake, and that didn't work. And started scratching at my elbow, and she just corrected me. It was her face that uh, got hit first in the chest. So then she scratched at my elbow, and I didn't wake up. So she kind of regained some motion. And I don't know if, well, from what I've heard of other sleep paralysis cases, usually these things go away before you regain mobility, I think. But this thing was still there. So she kind of hopped up. She said it very octopus-like receded into the wall, kind of jumped backwards, and then she flicked on the light and was gone. Hmm. So at this point, you know, she's freaking out a little bit. She starts feeling the air around it. She said it was real cold in that hallway, and I'll kind of contest that. So we have two dogs, and this is the part that made it even weirder. That's the dogs seem to kind of react to this. We have a pit bull and a uh, Jack Russell rat terrier mix, and the rat terrier mix has a kennel kind of in that same corridor area next near her bed, just on the far side of the wall. And he was looking like, you know, you ever seen a Jack Russell or a rat terrier when they get that intense stare? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're just staring, not not whining, not wagging his tail, just looking straight at that spot where it was at. You know, his, his, the ears at, you know, 9 or 11, just kind of there. So she gets up to check on the other dog and just kind of see what's going on. And uh, the pit bull was underneath. So we have a back door that leads to the back door from the bedroom, which is on my side of the bed. So she goes around. And Cronus is kind of lazy. He's our pit. Mm-hmm. And... He, I mean, he'll look out the window every once in a while. That's usually Booker's job. He's usually the guy patrolling the windows and looking at them and stuff. And uh, he stuck his head in. He, had, he was full on underneath the curtain, just staring out there, not wagging his tail, not responding. Usually when they're up and about, you know, when we wake up, the first thing they do is look at us and wag their tails and expect some sort of treat or something. Right. Yeah. But he was dead quiet, just looking up, just staring out the back door. So she wakes me up with not mentioning any of the spooky stuff, just going, you know, honey, there's a, you know, there's a draft in the house. You got to check. And I just went, oh. she goes, I, I know it's silly, but you know, there could be a door open. I need you to check the house. So I did the husband thing, marched my way through the house. All the doors and stuff were locked and nothing was inside. Nothing, you know, nothing disturbed. Uh, the only weird thing, I guess I don't, and again, I just try to use the logical side of it first. There was a weird pressure system coming through a warm front. But there's this weird kind of tenderly draft on the floor, and that's not usually some, how it moves in our house. It just seemed weird. So I was like, yeah, there is a weird draft. I've never felt that here before, and we've been here for about a year. Then I came back, and she regaled me with what happened. But I, I was going to note that when I, you know, I got up and I saw Cronin, he was still underneath there. And actually, I let the dogs out right before I checked the house, now that I remember. I was kind of grumpy, and I let them out, then checked the house and came back to let them in. And when I opened up the door... Usually they're usually Kronos again. He's a lazy boy. He don't like to be outside in the cold. He don't like any of that. But they were kind of near the porch. But Booker was kind of, and they both were facing away from the door. Even after I opened it, they were both fixated on something outside. But they weren't like whining and barking and running after stuff. Stuff it was like a possum or something. It was really weird. So I called you know, Booker. Turn and came inside. When I called, and Kronos kind of stood there looking, just staring off into the, you know, at the fence at something for another, you know, five, ten seconds and kind of got up, 
took one last look and came in. Hmm. And then I got the, uh, the details on the story. Let's uh, describe this entity again. We'll call it an entity. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about sleep paralysis. Yeah, so from what she said, and the best thing is like, it, you know, uh, I guess you're you're an artist too, right? Mm-hmm. If I remember. So you ever just drop some like blocking into water or something like that? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think our food coloring or anything like that. If you just drop that in the water and kind of it, yeah, it's not like smoke, but it's definitely like it's like it moves aquatically and stuff like that. So it was kind of this, like that's what she described it as. She showed a few pictures of just what it kind of looked like and what it moved like. Mm-hmm. And she also noted that she's farsighted. So when it was closer to her face, she actually had visi- like she had problems looking at it. Like it was actually physically there. Did it have like uh, like a face or anything discernible like that? No, she said like the the best you could say is that it seemed to have if there was some sort of I guess cephalization, right? It did seem to like kind of move down towards her like from the top. Mm-hmm. See if she confirms that. About how tall was it? She had. Uh, I did a test with her because I went ahead and tested all the stuff. It's hard to tell because of how close it was because it's you know her. Basically, you hop out of her bed on her side. You're right in front of that doorway where it was. And so she said it was about my height. I'm about 6'3". So it was man-sized. Mm-hmm. She couldn't see the, the bottom of it, I don't think. Here's the thing. Like, like, so sleep paralysis generally after you're up and moving, it's done. Yeah. So the fact that there... Am I understanding correctly? Did she still see it after she was up? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so she was able, it was sitting there touching her face when she was trying to scratch my elbow and trying to get, trying to get me awake. I was dead asleep until she turned the lights on and like basically shook me up. I was, I was deep in sleep and then it was still there after she got up. So she would have had to get up to get the light switch. So it was kind of just a do or die sort of thing. Just like, well, you know, it was trying to pass by. So she's thinking, it's like, okay, if you're a ghost, just do your thing, buddy. Just, just go on. And then eventually just decided to go turn the light on as sort of last resort in this state. And when she turned the light on, she said it receded. And then when the light came on, it was gone. Wow. Yeah, see, that's unusual. One of the things that a lot of the flannel man witnesses I've talked to have sleep paralysis, but they said, I, you know, I'd gotten up to get a glass of water or whatever it was. And that's when I saw it. So it's unlike other sleep paralysis in that. I'm not saying that's, you know, 100%. It's not sleep paralysis. I'm just saying it's unlike other sleep paralysis. Um, yeah, that's what that's why I kind of was like I should I should email a strange familiar or something. Yeah, one. yeah, it's it's really cool. And the fact that you were able to feel the cold draft and it, it was so it was unusual you'd not felt this before or since. I'm yeah, sure. we had the heater on the house and like the only weird thing about it is pressure systems and I, you know, and there's some I guess paranormal hunters that will use barometric pressure as sort of a uh a thing and maybe it does come have something to do with it because it almost felt a little warmer outside and we had the heater on and everything which is kind of <laughs> kind of weird too mm-hmm. i guess there was like there was a bit of a warm front coming in so but that draft the way that felt it was like a weird tendril across my feet as i went through the uh, living room on my way back after checking the house right has your wife experienced sleep paralysis before no, she's never had sleep paralysis before. Like, because I had a because that night I was kind of well, hun, that's just sleep paralysis. You know, people see things when that happens. You know, we watched uh, the nightmare. On, I watched. She watched maybe ten minutes of the nightmare on Netflix, so it really didn't stick with her. So she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, don't, uh, nobody's ever been hurt by it or anything. You're gonna be fine. It, it happens to a lot of people. You know, usually not repeatedly though. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, I think that gave her enough solace to get to bed. But she wanted to note that the air was really cold in that in that in that corridor when she got up which was true mm-hmm. 
And that's where the entity came from originally. Yeah, that's that's the spot. Like, and it was. I don't know if I noticed it immediately going through, but I did notice something weird across my feet. And I checked the, you know, the fireplace flue was shut. Everything was shut up pretty well. I said the only weird thing was just that pressure system coming through. But you know, it, with sleep paralysis, they usually go away when you regain your, you know, mobility and your and your control. Right. So it was just a really weird, really strange thing. And the dogs reacting because my dogs don't act like that, and that's the. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like this this multi factor thing where you got the dogs acting weird, the remnants of the temperature, which is unusual, the fact that she woke up and whatever was still there is unusual. It's just like this kind of, you know, checklist of things that uh, don't usually go along with plain old sleep paralysis. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I was talking to a friend of mine about chaos magic, and I, hopefully I didn't make this come in. We. He was doing some stuff with magic practice and stuff like that. He's an old friend of mine. We're just talking about weird stuff and. Yeah, I, I don't dive too deeply into stuff. I'll just have times of the year where I get a little, I just, you know, want to go back down that road and go back into paranormal research. I'll listen to some podcasts and stuff. But I was thinking, man, I haven't had anything weird happen in a while, then boom. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I think, and I just recorded another podcast with someone else uh, regarding sleep paralysis. And I, I don't know if it'll be if we'll, we'll gang these two stories together or where they will be. Cause I, I you know, until I do editing, I, I'm not quite sure where these things will fall. So listeners, you may or may not have already heard the story I'm talking about, but in any case we were talking on that. And I said, I'm no longer sure that sleep paralysis is just simply a way to explain away paranormal events. And by that, I mean, I started asking what well, came up naturally with the, these flannel man witnesses. It came up naturally that, so many of them were talking about sleep paralysis that I just started asking every flannel man witness I talked to, have you ever had sleep paralysis in your life? Usually it's not associated with their flannel man sightings. It's, it's just at other times. And the answer is overwhelmingly yes. So then I just started asking everyone I talked to every, every paranormal witness, no matter Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, whatever it is, everyone I talked to, have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? Overwhelmingly people who have paranormal experiences have also experienced sleep paralysis. So yeah. it's it's almost where I'm wondering if it's not some kind of side effect or another manifestation of it in another weird way that we don't quite get yet. You know, maybe sometimes it can be just sleep paralysis and that's all it is. But I feel like there's there's another there, there's it's somehow connected to these other paranormal things and how it is I haven't quite put that together yet. I'm talking 75% since I started asking, I think, uh, of people who have, you know, experienced anything paranormal have also experienced sleep paralysis. And also she wanted to, sorry, she had one last note. It felt like a neurotoxin, I guess, was like, you know, wearing off of her as she regained control. I don't know if that's normal because I never, you know, it's these little details that people don't always go over. But she's pretty, She's she's got an eye for detail and stuff like that. Right. Very, and now, in what sense? In the, in the sense that she was able to regain movement? Yeah, she felt like it was almost like, I guess, I, I guess like a, like it was... I guess as she regained control, felt like a like it was just kind of slipping back in. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had sleep paralysis, and okay. I would say that as far as what I experienced, that's you know pretty par for the course. The times where I haven't just fallen back asleep and you know woken up screaming, you know, however many minutes or hours later. Yeah, I'm familiar with that feeling at least. But okay. however, never have I gotten up, you know, and still had any remnants of it. Once I'm up and about. 
Yeah, she kind of, when she gets in the panic mode, she usually actually kind of goes cold as a cucumber and kind of goes like, you know, bullshooter on it. So it, I'm glad she did because I would have, uh, you know, I don't know if I would have forgotten these little details, but she's pretty good at kind of picking up on those little sensations and stuff. Sure, yeah. Now, has she experienced anything else ever, like any other just weird stuff that she'd be willing to talk about? Uh, she mentioned a couple small things that I don't have a lot of stuff on. Um, I think one thing in particular was, uh, again, these are, I got a couple things that I had to go on to, but I think she, she told a story about like a, uh, it was like a ghost playing piano sort of thing when she was a kid. And she, I mean, I didn't know about these for years. She just kind of answers it much a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think it was as, uh. I'll wait for her to maybe get the exact relation, but apparently she saw some lady playing piano at her grandfather's house up north. I've never met her, seen them, or seen that house in person. Uh, but apparently she was yeah child and saw this lady playing piano, knew the memorized the melody, then talked to her grandpa about it, and he was like, "Well, no, that's that's so and so. How do you know that song?" So, wow. Uh, that was one, and then I think another time she dis- she talked about this is before we were together, but Kronos was there for it, but apparently he didn't react to it. He's about eight. We've been together probably about six or seven years now. But apparently she was in the backyard and just having a smoke, which she's trying to quit. Again, I barely remember this, but apparently this figure walked through the yard and kind of disappeared when it got out of the moonlight or something like that. Like a shadow figure kind of thing? or uh, No, it was, I think it was full-bodied. You didn't really tell me the details. You're very nonchalant about it, dear. <laughs> well, it was less about getting the specifics of these others because we, you know, we were talking about the one case, and more about noting that there have been other events. Yeah. So she could see the like. It was kind of like she could see the lady in the light at this of the uh, sunlight coming through the window, mm-hmm. and then the guy that walked, and then another guy who walked through her backyard. So she's an adult. He kind of walked through, and he was in the moonlight, and just kind of was this figure. Which I don't think uh, I don't think he was wearing flannel, as far as I know. I, I think I tried to ask that <laughs> just to make sure. Um, and he reacted and looked at the dogs, and then just sort of. Uh, and I think he went under the shade of a tree and disappeared, which is kind of a weird one. Yeah, that is weird. I just learned. I just barely learned about these, and he was blue. Blue. That's interesting. I don't know if that relates to anything else, but um, I yeah, I mean only plain t-shirt. Only in that, I mean every now and then people report blue entities. Well, I the w- shirt was blue, is what she was saying. What's that? The shirt oh, was she, blue. It's just sure, a plain blue t-shirt. Oh, okay, okay. So it wasn't like his skin was blue. But other than that, the like I said, I'm, I've just sort of milked these stories out of her now because I've kind of you know she doesn't really like she's not really into this kind of stuff. She gets spooked pretty easy. Yeah, my wife's the same way, and then she's saddled doing a paranormal podcast suddenly. <laughs> but she she's not a big fan of this stuff. Even even her like flannel man thing, I had to, you know she still doesn't like to talk about it too much. When I interview other people with flannel man, she sometimes she won't even listen. Sometimes she's curious because she, you know it's the one thing, mm-hmm. it's the one thing she did see. But sometimes she just she doesn't want any part of it. She's like, no, nah, I don't need to hear that. I tried to ask my brother, because he vaguely remembered it. Uh, he used to have some night terrors and stuff as a kid, but apparently the one that kind of creeped me out as a kid, I was probably around 10 or so, maybe 9. He woke up and said there was a man in his room, and he said he was wearing, I remember a red shirt. I don't know if it was flannel, though, because uh, my brother's a little developmentally kind of, a little bit slower, so I don't know if he would have 
No, I don't think I would even know what like how to describe flannel at that point. So I don't know if he would have at the time. Mm-hmm. But apparently he woke up, you know, screaming to that. Wow. So yeah, and I don't know if night terror stuff like that. He's he's he really can't remember very well. He just I, t- I asked him if he remembered. He goes, yeah. He was wait, was that you? <laughs> I'm like, no, it wasn't me, bud. <laughs> Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. Thank you, patrons, so much. Without you, we could not do the show. $3 a month gets you extra shows. We guarantee at least one extra show a month. Often we deliver more than that. You can go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars, and that's where you can sign up to become a patron, get extra shows. If you want something a little extra, you can get patches and t-shirts and buttons and all kinds of stuff. A set of my books, that's been pretty popular lately, where you can get all four books at once. There's all kinds of stuff there. You can find that, again, at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. But even just going in at the $3 level is a huge help for us. It really helps mm-hmm. us make the show, and you get all the extra content. Like so a, if you've listened to everything and you want an extra 50 shows or something, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how many we're up to as far as patron shows at this point, but we've done at least one a month since the very first month we started the show. So we're up to episode 87, I believe this is. So that's yeah, a don't lot make me do the math. but And some months we've done three patron mm-hmm. shows, some months we've done two. There's a lot there for you to check out. So if you'd like to help us continue to make the show, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Another way to help, if you don't like the idea of a subscription, you can do a one-time donation. There's a paypal.me link in the show notes at strangefamiliars.com, and you can see that there. And of course, as all podcasts say, another way to help is to share the podcast on social media and give us nice five-star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, uh, d- did you have some experiences you wanted to... to yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. this one I kind of wanted to throw by, uh, just yeah. because uh, uh, this is one of the... You know, I've always had an interest in this stuff. You know, I had friends' houses and stuff that had some kind of weird stuff, but none, not a lot of it happened directly to me. But it's sort of like hearing them and, and doing stuff with them sort of piqued my interest, which kind of maintained. So, uh, this stuff happened, I guess, between 2009 and 2011. And I'm not going to mention the name of this place. That's um, fine. So I uh, had read an article in my uh, college newspaper about these ghost hunters locally who, I guess, you know, they, they had investigated someplace on campus. And I was like, oh, these, these might be kind of neat. I've never been able to go out and do this kind of stuff. I've had interest in it. So I'm like 19, I think, at this point. So about 10 years ago. And so they go, I, I email this paranormal troop, and they uh, they say, yeah, sure, we're not going to do an official investigation like, you know, this weekend, but you can come right out with this if you want. It's just kind of like a scouting mission. Yes, yeah, we're just going to check out some places. So I was like, cool. And I met this lady. She was actually a licensed uh, psychiatrist who did ghost hunting on the side. <laughs> so she was like, yeah, we got a couple locations that we want to go look at. One we're scouting. Another one is just kind of one of our local haunts, and then uh, another one is a place that, uh, well, they weren't too sure about the last place, but she kind of teased it a little bit. 
Um, so I went out with them. We checked out a couple of cool graveyards. Uh, nothing, nothing too, too big that went on. But then we start going to this third location, which is this tiny, tiny little graveyard. And again, why are graveyards haunted? Nobody's ever died in a graveyard. You know, it's a big question on it. But this may, you know, pique your interest because now that I've kind of learned a little bit more about a more Bigfoot lore, thanks to you and some others, I'm a little iffy on what, what exactly this thing is now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, bring it. yeah. So we drive out there. So to give a description, it's podunk middle of nowhere. This cemetery maybe has 50 graves in it. I'm not even sure if that's like... Basically, it was this town that is no longer there. It no longer exists because I think they all died of yellow fever or something I read somewhere. Hmm. Kind of going through some county history. She claimed that there was a somebody... There was a gravestone there where there was a Thule-related symbol on it. I never found this. And at the time, there wasn't nearly enough... You couldn't find a lot of uh, occult stuff on the internet even 10 years ago. Like, a lot of it was still kind of a... Had a panel around it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a lot easier to find now and kind of get good information on things to podcast and things like that. Right. So she claimed that, but her big claim was like, hey, we, we don't have permission to be here um, necessarily. We don't know, like, you know, if they would mind or not. So we're not going to get out of the car. I, we just want to show you this place because it seems like it doesn't take long for something weird to happen here. And she and this was her claim is that there was a nine foot shadowy creature that roared and shook the car, <laughs> and then something wrecked their undercarriage to the point where she just got it out of the shop. Wow. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so we drove out there and we just kind of parked on the road. Nothing big happened that night, but it definitely had that that feeling to it. I think you know, you know, the one where you know you got a good spot. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I don't know, it's kind of weird. I mean, you look into it, it's almost like it, 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 you get these kind of weird optical illusion things going on, and you're just trying to keep from just, you know, trying to decide whether it's your brain playing tricks on you or not. Mm-hmm. So we kind of stared there for a bit, and I was in, you know, and then we kind of drove off, and then she's like, yeah, but that's the place, man. It's, it's pretty creepy, right? So I didn't really get back in contact with them. I don't know if they just uh, if she didn't take her emails very often, or I tried a couple follow ups, or maybe I was a nineteen year old without any money, so that you don't want to, you know, you need somebody that can buy their own equipment. Probably, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, so I just kind of fell out of contact. But then um, about a year later, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back there. I'll just go on my own. So I got my car up, got my nerve up. It was, yeah, you know, I think it was still around Halloween time. So I drove out there, made the trip, probably about forty five minutes from where I was living. Yeah, because I had to find the place because it was you can find it now. So that's the reason I'm not mentioning the name of it. But it was really hard to find at the time. Uh, Google Google Maps wasn't as well detailed. Right. Yeah. That's what the like the early days of the internet. This stuff was. I mean, there's a lot of places like the place I talk about, Hex Hollow, and the pictures they put up that was supposedly the house of the of the guy who got killed down there were ridiculous. And they one after another, you know, these houses built in the 1970s and stuff. The guy was murdered in the 20s. And I was just, no, that's not the house. That's not the house. But that's just, you know, people didn't know until somebody nailed it down. You know, this is the house that people were just guessing. So it was it was hard to find this stuff. Yeah. So I, it took me a bit, but I managed to sort of like, okay, I know I know we left this town at this side of town. I think it was this. There's not. Okay, it's probably this road. Okay, this looks like an abandoned country road. You know. So eventually, using that, I think satellite, I found it. It sort of marked the location and then uh, went out there on my own. And I didn't make it out of the car on, on this trip. 
<laughs> I got there, man, and it just it was because uh, it started off clear skies, and when I got there, just this clouds had gone over, it was pitch black, and you just got that feeling I wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah, it could have just been me psyching myself out, but I just was like, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna get out of the car. I'm just gonna go back. <laughs> I've done the same thing myself, where I've gotten like, like I'm going out tonight. I'm going by myself, and sometimes it's fine, but sometimes you get there and it's like, nah, nah, nah. I'm, I'm staying in the car tonight. Yeah, I just turned. I just turned back around and went back. I said, you know, nice country drive for the night. That's a, mm-hmm. that, that's the reward uh, for the evening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So I guess about another year passes, and... Actually, this guy was just down, just up in town with me. He stayed for a couple of days. My roommate for that year in college, who's you know become a very good friend of mine. We never really talked about creepy stuff, but it finally, after a few drinks, we finally just got there. You know, like the eventual conversation you have with anybody, like, did you ever see like a ghost or anything? Right. And so he started talking, like, no, I don't think I've seen anything, but man, I want to believe. Like, I want to see something. And I was just like, you know, I might got a place for you. If there's any, if there's any truth to these uh, rumors, and the place seems creepy, so it, it's worth maybe the trip. So he goes, yeah, man, let's let's go. Creep, uh, two strapping young men head off in my uh, little Saturn, and we go down there and we get there. And okay, I think I went. Uh, I think I went one other time during the day for a short while just to look to see if I could find that fool symbol. It wasn't nearly as bad in the day, but it's still you know pretty remote. Mm-hmm. Just more so, didn't want to get like questioned by you know a corrupt sheriff or anything. Right. And so uh, we head out there. So we we do get out of the car this time. And Charles, you know, who he, once he gets there, his his demeanor changes pretty significantly. He goes from being kind of like, "Yeah, man, let's go," and then he gets there and he's just like immediately just like doe-eyed, going like, "Oh man, what? Where are we?" Because <laughs> it's not a big, it's, it's it's a tiny little graveyard. So I'm gonna try my best to try to describe the uh, the geography of the area. It's not very big, but essentially this little plot of land is on the nestle of kind of a macaroni bend in the road, almost 90 degrees. And there's, you know, four, there's just kind of shrubbery and brush on either on the other side of it. Then on the inside of the corner is the cemetery. And about half this plot is just sort of like this, there's two gates. And the first area, the first rectangle, I guess, is just sort of, uh, just has a little pavilion there. I don't even know who that would get buried out there in this day and age, but I guess it's just for like funeral services. Mm-hmm. And then the next gate is the actual graveyard, which is, I got maybe 50 graves in it, a couple couple maybe pecan trees if i can remember right you know in there and then a little barbed wire fence so we get through the first gate and i lock the gate behind us and we start making our our slow you know getting our nerve up to go inside the cemetery and he's immediately going like god i think i see lights man like i'm like just just keep cool keep cool dude we're gonna be fine and then we start so from i guess uh so i'm gonna just so if we're on the south end from the east end on the other side of the road we start hearing rustling in the bushes. And my first thought isn't, you know, a ghost. I'm like, oh, God, this isn't a mountain lion or a wild dog or a, or something. Right. That's going to, you know, that's what we're worried about in those cases. Right. Like, you know, I don't want to get messed up by a wild animal. And then the rustling keeps happening, and it keeps moving around this bend. So and we're sitting there just, like, trying to trying to 
just trying to figure out what this thing is. Can we see something? We didn't bring, we didn't want to have flashlights on to announce our position, but you know, there was enough moonlight, no clouds that we can kind of see, you know, the road and stuff around us. Okay. The visibility wasn't too bad. And then it keeps going around. It eventually gets behind my car. Then it eventually keeps rustling until it's right across from us. Then it stops for a second. So we're just sitting there just waiting to see. I'm like, is it a deer? Is it an armadillo? What, you know, what is it? And then like, I can only describe it. It sounded like a dude running with two rakes behind him across this road towards us, but nothing was there. And so this thing just clatters, this ruckus comes towards us and stops about maybe, because you know, we had the, this fence between us and the road, and it stops just short of the fence. And then about a half second later, Charles just walks towards the gate, opens the gate, opens my car door, and sits there with his arms crossed and says, we're leaving. <laughs> so, yeah. So I get in the car, and I'm driving. And I'm like, dude, did you you heard that, right? Like, that's it. And he's like, dude, did you not get pushed? I go, what? And apparently when that thing stopped, he got physically pushed in the chest. Wow. And at that moment, he just had to go. Because I heard it. I didn't feel anything when it stopped, though. Mm-hmm. So we get back, and he kind of <laughs> – we kind of talk about it a little bit the next day just to just to let him process what happened. And so then we, uh, we decide to so, – few nights later, same thing's happening with a couple more friends when it comes to the, the drinking and spooky stories. Mm-hmm. So a couple of our buddies, um, one who was, he had some good stories and apparently he claimed to have lived in a haunted house for some time. So he devote Catholic. So he, he kind of had a, a handle on the stuff. Then the other guy was just kind of uh, jeering and uh, making fun of us a little bit. But he's decided, you know, hey man, I'm going to go. Let, let's go do this. <laughs> So a couple of nights later, we pack up and do the same thing. So now we got four early twenties Texas boys, certainly uh, brave enough to, to, to face this little remote graveyard. <laughs> so we get out. Nick, who's the uh, the Catholic, uh, and I head forward. So we're the we're the vanguard of this uh, of this exposition of this expedition. <laughs> so we head in first. I got my nerve down. I got buddies with me. And if I got buddies, I'm pretty good. If I'm by myself, I'm, I'm kind of a sissy. But if I got buddies, I, I do okay. Well, safety in numbers. Yeah, safety numbers. And so we go in, and we actually make it a couple steps into the graveyard this time, but not far. And then uh, behind us is Charles, who's doing a little bit better this time. He's ready for it. At least he, he knows to, what to expect. And then the class clown, who's, you know, the one who's making fun of us, he's in the back lagging behind and not really too uh, happy about going into this graveyard now. If you've seen a pattern, it seems to go for the weak, uh, the weak wing in the, in the group. Mm-hmm the mental resolve so we're walking and we're kind of waiting for, so we're standing there letting our eyes adjust to the dark we're inside the graveyard because by god i was going to get inside that graveyard at night at least once and then uh <laughs> and then a couple minutes later you know the, the others catch up and uh chris who was the the guy who was kind of the the jokester at first all of a sudden you know there's this domino effect where he runs into charles and charles runs to, runs us and runs into us and then we kind of turn, we're like, you know, what the heck, dude? Like, what are you doing? Quit goofing around. And then he just, he doesn't say anything. He just, just like Charles did that other night, he just turns around, walks towards the car, gets in, sits with his arms crossed and says, we're leaving. Wow. And I said, okay, because I wasn't going to keep anybody that didn't want to be there there any longer. Right, right. And I'm like, dude, are you messing with this, right? He's like, no, I wasn't messing with you. I got pushed. I, I, I wanna, I'm, I'm leaving. We're going. We're going right now. <laughs> nope. Wow. <laughs> no more of this nonsense. And I said, okay. So... Took them home, and I uh, graduated shortly thereafter, so I haven't been back that way since. I did get in contact with, with that paranormal group down there, and they said, oh, yeah, I told them about this stuff. And they they, they occasionally go down there and get some weird stuff. Not too much hard footage, I don't think. Mm-hmm. you got to be, it's it's 
pretty creepy. But yeah, so I've had a that was probably the most active area I've ever been in, and it, and we're talking like less than twenty minutes a trip. It's two nights in a row, basically, right? So somebody got pushed essentially. Yeah, two trips in a row. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Yeah, there's a few two nights difference, but yeah, people okay. got pushed. He got pushed hard enough to run into this, and this we're talking like a probably six two, six three, two hundred forty pound guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he wasn't a, he wasn't a small dude at all. And I mean, I know this isn't your story, but w- when they said that whatever was shaking their car, did, now did they attribute that to some sort of spirit? Or yeah, they said they said maybe demon or something. I because you know that we talk about because this is the reason I like your show and the reason I like came to you because. There's sort of like this weird conjunction going on right now, I guess, and, and weird stuff research where you got like the UFO guys, the the Bigfoot guys, and the ghost dudes coming together, going like, okay, maybe we should start sharing some notes on some right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think they attribute it to some sort of unnatural, you know, I guess inhuman. I I, I switch, I, I guess, could include Bigfoot in their parlance, but because mm-hmm. I I was never, you know, I've kind of started listening to your show some, and and you know. Unfortunately, Bigfoot is sort of the, uh, the, the litmus test for what people are, what, what stretches people people's credulity. Sometimes it is, yeah, it, it absolutely is. I have friends who are like, you know, I'll maybe I'll maybe concede some stuff, but the second I hear about Bigfoot, I'm out the door. But I think it's really interesting how, I mean, it's happened here too on Toad Road, which I write so much about. There was some... yeah, I've been trying to li- I've been trying to get some more info on that. I'm kind of been, I'm listening to your backlog as I <laughs> as I go through stuff. And there's so much stuff out there that sounds like cryptid stuff, but because people were you know they were ghost hunters or they were told it was haunted, they were just attributing to ghosts. You know, like I said, I think it's all related probably anyway. So there, it's not something over which to argue. It's just interesting how, you know, if you go out if you go out looking for Bigfoot and something, even like what you experienced happened, mm. you're, you're going to say Bigfoot. But if you go out looking for ghosts and something like what you experience at the graveyard, I'm talking about, you, yeah. you're going to say, "Oh, ghosts!" You know, it's it's, it's just yeah, very interesting was... how the phenomenon kind of molds itself to expectations sometimes. Yeah, and that was my expectation at the time. But over the past, I guess, couple of years, I've been kind of, you know, I got kind of more into the UFO stuff, even though I have zero like experience with that over the past year, just like abduction stories and stuff like that. And then, like, you know, you get the phase stuff, and you get all these different things going on, and then the sleep paralysis stuff. And uh, Matt, and also my wife wanted to make sure that she did not feel this was human at all, and I don't think so either, because it's almost like these things need to be observed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a weird thing, and this reason, like you, you'll have multiple people see something and like a mass hallucination sort of thing, but yet there will be no physical evidence to back it up a lot of times because right. cameras don't observe. I think that's just sort of been my theory on it. Like in order to get this sort of stuff, like it's it's sort of we don't have the equipment necessarily to even pick it up, and even if he did pick it up, who's going to believe it? Yeah, I think that the reason why every photo is blurry, you know, almost, is there's a reason for that. I think it's the wrong tool for the job, in a sense. It's part of the the mystery. And then when people do get evidence, it disappears an incredible amount of time. Like, if they do get hard evidence one way or another, it, it so often it disappears. I couldn't put a, a guess on a percentage, but, you know, better than 75% of the time, it disappears. Yeah, and, and it's not like they got it, like, it's, you know... I work in a, I work in a, I'm just vaguely, um, I work in a mental health field. And so I work with people that are delusional and stuff quite a bit. And, you know, I can hear stories and kind of hear the difference between lying and mental illness and versus somebody that's kind of getting a real story. You do have some talented liars out there. Don't get me wrong, but you know, uh, you listen to some of the other kind of open lines podcasts and they, the ones that don't vet very well, <laughs> 
right? You know, and it's not the other. It's they could be telling the truth, or they, you know, it could be anything. But you kind of listen to them, just like, oh gosh, like I'm sorry, the demon didn't tell you its name, and it's not like, like there's this cold indifference that comes with these things, even if they are harassing you. <laughs> I mean, it's just usually my litmus test on this kind of stuff. If if something gets a little too kind of personal and dramatic. Um, it just stretches my credulity. I'm not going to try to call them out on it. But when you got somebody that actually is, I mean, in my experience, people that do have actual hallucinations and psychosis, right? They're not really able to tell you a concise story very well. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's very disjointed. It's very it doesn't have because honestly, and even if you're having like psychosis based hallucinations, a lot of times your memory is going to be completely whacked during that time anyway. Right. So being able to remember these things and have like sort of a linear timeline of events, if you were having, I guess, more traditional types of hallucinations, it's very hard. Right. And yeah. Honestly, and I've been working in this, and I've been working this field for you know, a number of years now. And I've heard they never talk about ghost or alien abductions. I've never, I haven't heard like I've heard maybe two alien related like, stories from people, and those weren't even like even anything all that detailed or as you know just kind of disjointed and sort of tangential type of stuff. It is very personal, but there is sort of like you're not a chosen one, or you know you get these sort of like these sort of things where. It, like it's like the difference between watching even you know in terms of television shows like Ghost Hunters versus Paranormal State, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, Ghost Hunters had their problems, but for the most part, tried to at least keep some sort of sense of dignity, right? <laughs> whereas, whereas, opposed to like I remember watching Paranormal State back in the day, and it was just kind of like, which is your neck of the woods, right, Pennsylvania? Yeah, not far, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know those guys or anything, but just remember watching the show and like they're like you know supposedly like had a demon hunting them down, showing up in places, which I. I mean, maybe it happened, but it, to me, it was just kind of like, thanks yeah. for good television. Yeah, yeah, the, and the the whole, I, I have to be careful, because I get, I get people very upset, because the whole demon thing is, it's just, I don't know, I think people like to lay their religion over things, and sometimes it fits, and sometimes it doesn't, but they really try hard to make it fit, you know? Well, and that's, I mean, and that's normal, you have people that believe that there are no ghosts they're just demons trying to trick you but the thing is like dude if i'm a demon and my whole goal is to keep you away from god the last thing i'm gonna do is like reinforce your beliefs by spooking you yeah yeah exactly i mean i've had the whole you know bigfoot is a demon thing it's like why like why like really like that's that's the that's the most convenient form it can take i mean it's just back up you know yeah or why why is it because i it is so unknowable and so beyond our grasp at this point that by trying to come up with some sort of rational explanation at this point is really, really just futile. Yeah, I agree 100%. Because I think we're just now, like, I think through abstraction, we're just barely able to get stuff. I, you were talking to somebody that was talking about Terrence McKenna, like a couple of uh, mm-hmm. episodes ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like McKenna, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but the whole like psychedelic UFO thing, sort of how that fits in, and then our role as a as a perceiver i think has a lot to do with this kind of stuff and it's really kind of weird to talk about it because it's really abstract no no but it is i mean that's and it's very difficult to explain to people like especially to bigfoot witnesses that i i do believe what you saw was solid flesh and blood when you saw it i I believe at the time you saw it it left footprints i absolutely believe that but i also believe it's not an animal you know and and that's a really hard thing to wrap your head around Oh, yeah. I mean, then you get weird stuff like, uh, you know, the infield poltergeist, mm-hmm. which, not the movie, but yeah. So I remember one of the more, one of the weirder parts of that, because you had all the stuff that was happening that could not have been faked by those girls, right? Right. You know, police were watching chairs being thrown around or whatever happened, right? 
you know, the police were like the, the stuff's in police reports, and then uh, I think Maurice Grossman. Honestly, he's kind of he's like a paranormal research hero with his dull and dry account of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Right, he's there for months, but it kind of an interesting prospect. And if you kind of look into thought forms and tulpas and sort of that sort of area, you know, god forms, egregores, sort of stuff that you run into in magic. And then when the girl was kind of being used as a ventriloquist dummy, right? She starts like asking questions about you know menstrual cycles and stuff like that. And as as the ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Like this old man ghost didn't know what those things were, and so that people kind of point that that as evidence that she was faking it somehow. You know, doing this sort of guttural death metal thing for hours on end as a you know ten year old girl or however old she was. But to me, that might that might be kind of a weird little peek into like maybe this is sort of like the connection between the two, between our our brains and our you know our our ability to observe, and then the energy that these things use. Well, yeah, and uh, it, this is very uncomfortable, and I am in no way endorsing hoaxing, but hoaxing is a part of the whole phenomenon. Jeff Ritzman pointed it out to me, and it's 100% right. You know, I often use Bigfoot just because that's the world I live in generally, so, I, you know, it's just I'm more familiar with it, but it happens in UFO too, where these really, really respected researchers will eventually get tied to some wacky hoax. You know, people always go to the easy answer, like, oh, they're just trying to make a buck off of it. Well, yeah, maybe, but, you know, it's, it's, there's something else about it that draws this kind of fakeness out of people or something. That, you know, I think it's, it's like, as justify the means things for some people, like, well, okay, if I can get this, if I can get some funding by, you know, getting this, unfortunately, right. it's the, the amount of money to be spared in this for, for, the research in here, which is next to none, and so the people that buy books on whatever your niche subject is, it's still a small amount of people. Yeah, yeah. and so you know you got to have the best, the best juicy thing, and uh, you know where, where's the beef, where's the evidence, but you might not be able to come up with anything tangible. So honestly, the best, and you've done really well with the flannel man. The best thing you do is get virgin accounts, right? You know, from mm-hmm. you know, because nobody knows what the heck the flannel man is. Right, yeah, but yeah. I was going to know what the Hat Man was, but I think that's become popular enough now. Like you know, like ten years ago, even just even just ten years ago, just the idea of sleep paralysis, you could almost do it as a party trick, you know, during those you know late nights with friends, right? You go, you know, who's ever seen the Hat Man? And then you get two people going, going, wait, that's a thing, right? And you go, oh yeah, people see this thing, and then they start freaking out because why? And is it a Jungian archetype? Why do we see these things? Why do they behave in a similar way sometimes? Mm-hmm. You know, they seem shocked that they're caught. They kind of wander off and they do weird. It's weird. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And and in I think in Bigfoot especially, sometimes these there's a pressure to produce. And sometimes these guys have gotten really good evidence in the past. And they just have this sort of pressure to keep turning out good evidence. And eventually... They'll do something stupid. And in their minds, it may be very... They might think they're helping. They may think, like, if I can draw the attention to the phenomenon, then we'll we'll really discover what this creature is. And they seem to get very... The desperation comes longer they've been in, in the field. So as these guys get older and closer to their own demise... And they're sure it's you know they've they've spent their whole life like this is an this is a creature and they've you know they've doubled down on this and tripled down on it. Then that's when they get desperate when they get to the end of their life and you know they've bet 
any day now that's going to be, you know, it's like the UFO guys with disclosure. It's coming this year. We'll, we'll get disclosure this year. Yeah, well, you know, we had that thing last December, right, with the uh, – Right, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and then it's the stars, and then it all drops off, and then you get your hopes up, and then it's like, you know. Yeah, and they're, talk, they're saying it again. Well, you know, I saw an article today, I think, you know, we're going to get disclosure in, in 2019. Okay, guys. Like, really? No, we're not, and we're not discovering an ape in the woods in, in North America. It's not happening. It's a really difficult thing to settle with. You, if you're not willing to sit with the mystery, as uh, Josh has said, and I think that's a wonderful way to uh, express it. You know, you, you got to be willing to sit with it. If you're not, I think you got you got some trouble coming because this has been with us since the beginning of time. All these things, ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, it's all been with us. We haven't had any answers yet. Yeah, no, and, and it's, yeah, it. I mean, I think we're maybe closer now. I think it's one of these things where as we kind of evolve and come to understand these things, you know, we start, you know, it's, it's like everything gets so specific when we try to name it, but now that, you know, the, the different parts are starting to come together, thanks to guys like you and, you know, even uh, you know, the last podcast guys who, you know, I got referred through from and everything, you know. Yeah. Even though they just kind of, they just kind of gather information and present it, you know, in a, in a comedic fashion, they're they're pretty good at, you know, kind of finding these synchronicities between all these events and everything. Yeah, I'm I'm actually continually impressed by the way uh, Henry expresses things on the show. Um, oh yeah, he's a big clown, but you <laughs> you know his job as a comedian. But actually, he's kind of one of those guys that it's he's you know that's just sort of part of his idiom, I guess, to sort of get there. But yeah, so they brought up some of that stuff, and I I mean I was a fan of a lot of that stuff anyway. But um, their kind of approach to some things as a kind of helped open up some you know it's a lot of people are doing it now or not a lot but a few of y'all and so that's kind of i think is what's going to help us yeah i I I think that that does help and it does give me hope that the idea that people are looking at things you know in this sort of multi-pronged approach where we're not uh, three separate things anymore you know i just do ghosts and the, the ufo and bigfoot people are crazy and, you know, or I just do UFOs and all those ghosts and Bigfoot people are crazy. The fact that we're actually coming together and going, wow, we're talking about a lot of the same things. That does give me some hope. Yeah, like, you know, the smell of rotten eggs. Why is that a thing? You know, yeah. Is there, was that carbon sulfide or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is it? Does Bigfoot have a bad catalytic converter? Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> or is it something like, is that part of the process of becoming tangible that you must, like... That creates this sort of reaction in the air. I mean, it could be, but also, you know, apes do have stink, uh, you know, stench glands. So, uh, well, even if you brought a screaming like Sasquatch in a cage, there'd still be people that would, you know, be like, "Oh, that's computer generated." Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because there's the school, and again, you can find the best friends in the world. But if it can, if it can be faked, then it is fake. If you know, mm-hmm. right? I remember these. You know, I've seen the same thing where it's like just because EVPs sound like they, you know, just because what it sounds like is subjective doesn't mean that like the EVP itself is all that subjective. Because sometimes you get weird disembodied voices on those things. Yeah, EVPs are another. I wrestle with them and uh, the ghost box thing. Like people, it's like, well, you're doing that. I'm like, well, I'm okay with that though. Like if that's me, yeah. you like I'm, well, that's- I'm fine with that. I still think it's very, very interesting. Yeah, that's magic in a nutshell anyway. Like, you know, it's, it's a – when you start actually looking at it, I mean, that's a whole different discussion topic. But, you know, kind of looking into some some principles of ceremonial magic I think is kind of useful. Not to – you don't have to practice it, but I think it's – for paranormal research, it's kind of a weird – it's kind of a good thing to look at. Anything from even shamanism to, you know, 
more modern uh, magic practices. Oh yeah, I mean, Just, I, it, it's because a lot of it is based on sort of creating your own uh, BS and, and thriving off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's another doorway in to what I call the other, which is you know all this stuff. Meditation can be. It 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 doesn't have to be. Just like dreams, dreams can be. Sleep paralysis can be. I don't think they're all, they all necessarily, definitely, hundred percent of the time are. But I think I think these are you know gateways, possible gateways in. I think magic's certainly one, and uh, psychedelics are very much so, or can be. Sometimes uh, I think it depends on the application of, of that stuff. Same thing probably with with magic. If you want to contact this stuff, and I know people who claim to on the regular. I mean, I don't know if you listen to uh, Where Did the Road Go. Uh, I, I've I've looked into the Facebook page a couple times, but you know, yeah, I'll probably make my rotation of, of podcasts at some point. Ren is a regular on there, and and I mean, he makes regular contact with spirit entities. That's what he does. That's well, yeah, thing. and uh, well, if you got the, the the comic book writer Grant Morrison, you know, when even when he's doing Enthusia, he said that you know that's kind of he's kind of the big he did a happy and Invisibles wrote a lot of Batman, so he's kind of like a uh, you know he'll channel like. Because he likes to write songs, and he'll channel like John Lennon, right? It's kind of and you become enthused with you know the god that is John Lennon, the godhead that is him, and then you you know you can make us, and then you kind of get like in that in that mode, and you can make music like kind of sounds vaguely John Lennon-ish, right? So that, that kind of thing happens, but it gets real weird. But uh, my wife wanted to know if you uh, if anybody ever reported or if you ever heard of the the whole uh, inky the inky shadow person thing. Um, I mean, not described as such, but I've just begun to sort of dip my toes into the more ghostly side of things. Well, yeah, it kind of got dropped on you thanks to thanks to the final man of Zabrowski. <laughs> yeah, well, and and uh, you know, it took me a while to to sort of come around to all these things being related. If you even read my first book, I kind of like in there I'm like I'm not going to tell ghost stories. It's not my thing. I left the ghost stories out of it and I kind of regret that now. I wish cuz you know, I would have dug in more to those because I I do see it as all related, but it, you know, it's it's taken me a while to come around to it. I'm sort of getting there naturally, you know, in the, in the past, probably, probably in the past year, year and a half is where I really sort of started to just link all these things together with help of people like Josh and the Where to the Rogo family helped me a lot to sort of kind of realize that, that these things aren't all too different, but I just haven't dug in too much to, into shadow people and hat man and all that. I know they exist, but I just don't know that, you know, that terribly much about them. Yeah. And I've never, I mean, I, I've seen the sort of the, I mean, you see depictions of that sort of same sort of inkiness, like or the smokiness, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Like, you see that kind of in, in artist depictions of these things, like around the outside of it, like the form kind of like was formed from those things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't understand. You know, I don't know if they're like, you know, I can go into like weirder areas of esotericism. Is this, you know, Oregon energy that they're feeding off of or something? You know, right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's so many. There's so much in you know, a lot of woo. I guess uh, you know. Or it could not be. I don't know. It's just kind of one of these things where you go onto these weirder paths, which I, I'm always will. I'm always willing to go look into, just because it's like, well, you know, uh, William Burroughs liked you know Oregon energy, and he was a cool dude, I guess. Right. You know. <laughs> um. All but for the killing his wife and all that, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For the accident, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Aside, but, aside from the accidental, it seemed to mess him up that enough. So I guess, but you know. But let, uh, well, let's put this out there. Let's let's put it out to the strange familiars audience. Any other accounts of these sort of inky shadow people, like was described in this episode, and we'll see what we get. It's worked with Flannel Man. Boy, do I get Flannel Man accounts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was, and 
with cold hands and everything too. I mean, it's it's weird and it stayed when she was uh when she gained consciousness. I I will be surprised if we don't get at least one, if not a handful of people saying, "Oh, I've seen if not the same thing, something very similar." I would be very surprised because a lot of these things just don't seem to be isolated for whatever reason. And then you get the whole question. It's like the Slenderman thing. I mean, you know, people made him up, but then people started seeing him. You know, well, yeah, he said he's had sacrifices almost in his name. Like, you know, that creates a, I guess, in magical parlance, that creates like an egregore, right? You know, yeah, I mean, God form. Like, it has a mind of its own. Slenderman exists. He he'll be he'll live longer than you or I probably. Yeah, yeah, and these rake things that people started, even though there are mentions of them in in some earlier um, accounts. But people really didn't, you know, know what they were or start talking about them until very recently on the internet. And now people are seeing them all over the place. We make our own monsters. I, I you know, I absolutely believe that. Which, again, it makes it sound like we're, we're full of it when we see these things, but I don't necessarily think that's true. You know, when you, like fae shapeshifters or whatever they can latch on to and sort of make, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're... I, I can't even guess what the motivation is. Like, it's so foreign and so weird that it's like, you know, if these are like extra dimensional things or something like that, like who knows what they want? Yeah, and and they react culturally. I mean, I think look at UFO accounts from the turn of the century. They're they're kind of like blimps, you know, with with propellers on them and stuff. And you know, this is the eighteen nineties. Yeah, they're saucer shaped, but they have propellers all over them, and they're silver and and uh, or they're blimps with you know that that are some kind of weird metallic. Thing. And then you get to the fifties, and they start, you know, looking like Art Deco machines. And then, and now today, it's like more often than not, you hear about plasma balls yeah, and stuff. And yeah, saucer. I think my dad saw the cigar-shaped one. He told me about that one time, hovering yeah. over a stock tank. Like him and his buddy were just out there, and they, <laughs> out there fishing when they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's you get weird stuff, and I've got a you know, you ever those like. You know, up here where I where I'm at, you know, not too far, Stephenville, and apparently there's a lizard man running around there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you hear these things, and I've you know, and cryptids were never my bag, but now that I've just started to think about them in terms of maybe not actually a you know nine foot gorilla walking around, but these sort of like I guess multi dimensional, you know, almost I, I guess the Fae is about the closest thing you can really compare them to in terms of like yeah, they, they've always been there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every culture all over the place has these things, you know, like, like I always say, they've always lived in the woods next to us. And th- there's a reason they're there, you know, and uh, it's not because they're really good at hiding. <laughs> Although that may be the case, but, I, you know, again, I think th- they're fulfilling some sort of some sort of archetypal role and then they react to us and they do change. They seem to change culture as well. You know, if you look at the the wild man depictions from the Middle Ages, they look very kind of medieval, a lot more human. And then uh, nowadays, probably the further we get away from nature, we probably need something wilder and wilder. And so we get these, you know, our wild men have become even wilder. You know, they become bigger, meaner, and and more ape-like. Yeah, and it's like it's almost like to be seen is or to be observed is sort of like the end goal in some way or another. Yeah. you know, and it's and it's I guess and it's kind of weird, but you know, like I said, it, I think it's a whole level of abstraction and weirdness. But these things, I mean, it's you know the, the similarities, especially between people that have no interest in it and haven't absorbed this culturally, right? Because even going back to it, it's straight up just normal everyday sleep paralysis, right? When you like like I remember talk, like hearing about riding the you know the witch you know the witch choking or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so I remember when I read that one, and these were like reports going through like in you know even through the nineties. I'm just like witches aren't scary like to kids <laughs> like of my like of at least of like probably witches haven't really been scary for kids until like maybe nowadays because they've kind of made them creepy again. Mm-hmm. But growing up, like you know, for the past probably you know Gen X through the the first batch of millennials, probably witches weren't even a an afterthought. You know, least scary thing you could think of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but again, me, I mean, that, that could just be my 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 point of view on it. But and again, if these things are just completely fabricated by what we're afraid of, right? Because if that's what the, the the more logical and parsimonious explanation is, like a witch wouldn't be the first thing that somebody would probably you know fabricate in their mind as choking them, right? Right. Exactly. Like like where where are the zombies? And as a kid, it probably like when I was a kid, it'd probably be Danny DeVito from Home Alone. Like if I, <laughs> you know, that was the scariest thing. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I, not I, Joe Pesci, sorry, I'm, uh, don't get I, th- I think culturally oh, now, um, you know, zombies would be a huge thing. You'd think, you okay. know what I mean? Because it's it's been so embedded, zombies and, and clowns, I guess. Yeah, clowns, zombies, like these things are are what you're supposed to be afraid of. But witches really hadn't been a scary thing in, in a long time. I guess so. So I'm I'm sort of projecting my own childhood on here, but I, I had a very, I had a witch that lived in the woods next to me in a tree with local lore. So I think I had a different a different take on it. Yeah, uh, if you had that, I mean, you're up from like you know that's that area. Of the you got the creepy woods up there in your neck of the woods. Like, <laughs> you know, down here in Texas, you know, you don't really get the you get you get folk tales and stuff like that. But you know, we're mostly flat plains up here where I am. So it's you know. You yeah. mostly get weird stories about the the reason there was a drought is because there was a buried Indian hatchet somewhere. Right, right. Something like that. You know, you get these sort of things. And you do get ghost stories. I think around here we had Hugo's monster, which I don't know. Maybe that was based on a Bigfoot sighting. I have no idea the, the genesis of that. Uh, I got the Lake Worth goat, uh, goat man. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Hugo's was just made up by that scout counselor, but apparently it was a woman's brain inside a gorilla or something like that. Oh, that's interesting. And of course, we were sleeping on top of where the bunker was, where Hugo's lab was that night. Oh, <laughs> on the hill. So. <laughs> I don't know if all the details are right. <laughs> a little bit of uh, on-site fear for the scouts there. He's talented. That was, that was a good storyteller. Yeah, no, that is. So, well, thank you very much, and uh, th- thank your wife for allowing us to hear her story. Well, I appreciate you, and I'll keep in contact. Uh, I guess the only last thing to add is uh, was one last little synchronicity where it was kind of unusual, where I think uh, the 23rd, right before Christmas, I was getting a fire ready, and I heard an owl hooting outside. So Ah. So that's, which is not usual. I've lived, lived in this town, around this town my whole life, and I think I've only seen one owl in my entire life. How long was that from the, uh, the sleep paralysis? Uh, almost- just short of two weeks. Two weeks. So. That's, that's worth noting, you know. We can have, yeah, no, I heard it. I, I I heard, like, and I tried to find it. couldn't find it, but I heard it from the chimney. Then I went outside and heard it one more time. There's a great horned owl that's right outside my house, and I've never seen it. It's been here for, you know, comes and goes. It's here mostly in the winter. I'll hear it and into the spring, and I've never seen it. I've gone out several times to look for it. It's out there. I mean, I've actually recorded it. I've stuck a microphone out the window and recorded it clear as day. But I've never actually seen the owl. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you once again. Thank you. My presentation for X Files convention 
90 minutes. That's a long time. I'm scheduled for two hours, and I, I asked her, the woman who's in charge mm. of, of the presentations and so forth, I asked her, like, should I be prepared for a full two hours? She said, well, be prepared for 90 minutes. So mm. usually I do an hour. Actually, usually I do about 45 minutes and leave room for questions and so forth. But Things tend to take longer when you, when yeah, you start talking. That's what Josh said. I tend to... I think I tend to rush through, not on purpose. I just well, I songs, get excited. Well, in songs, like if you're doing songs, you, you go faster, I think. Yeah, I think with... But with presentations, it could go either way. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I finished my presentation, both of them. So once I finish this episode, get it edited, I can relax a little bit. All the interviews are done for the month. And May, we can start again. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with another episode of Strange Familiars. As always, if you want to contact us, strangefamiliars.com or strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com is our email. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Which you can find at stonebreath.bandcamp.com We are also on Facebook. You can look up Strange Familiars and find us there. And we have this Strange Familiars gathering group on Facebook as well.
have a golden cage at home that I would keep for me. I would keep for me. I won't come down you falsely, sit upon your knee. But you have slain your own true love. I'm sure you would slay me. I'm sure you would slay me. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.